fresh out of the oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Emmett. And I'm Wade. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie in a popular film franchise, one each week, to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today, we are continuing our miniseries X23 about Fox's X-Men films. We will fully spoil today's film, but try at all costs not to spoil any future entries in the series, which is more than I can say for the studios. Up right now, it's X-Men Origins Wolverine. Up right now, we're really stretching the limits of the word popular in the phrase popular film franchise. Oh, Lord, we are. Today, we're honored to have a special guest. They're an illustrator, musician, writer, and actor but they may be best known to our audience as the Burger King product placement officer responsible for entirely funding Steven Spielberg's 2004 film, The Terminal. Please welcome Jay Cobb. Oh, wow. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for being here. You're our first ever guest. Yeah, I already told you this, but this is the second podcast I've ever guested on, so I'm sorry we couldn't be each other's first time. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's Jay. (laughs) I'm not the gay hot fellas. Today we are talking about X Men colon Origins. No, the let colon, me stop you there. The colon comes after Origins, please. No, 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 no. no you're no, wrong. No. It's X Men colon Origins no, it's colon not. Wolverine. I can't believe we've gotten into a semantic argument this early. It is X Men Origins colon Wolverine. Are you certain? Yes. Okay. Are you willing to bet five shiny nickels on that? You've already lost five shiny nickels to me today. Okay. By telling me that you believed that Hugh Jackman was in The Incredible Hulk. What? He He's wasn't? Not. <laughs> I know, I know. That... All right, all right. Okay, I stand corrected, and I owe you now ten shiny nickels, but... <laughs> ten shiny nickels. Here we were talking about X-Men Origins Wolverine. This movie was directed by Gavin Hood, who's a South African director who before this had won the Best Foreign Language Film Oscar for... Chatsi. Chatsi. Went on to direct Ender's Game and Eye in the Sky. It was written by David Benioff, who also wrote The 25th Hour, Troy, The Kite Runner, and goes on to do a little something called Game of Thrones. He wrote the pilot for Game of Thrones in 2007 prior to this, but it wasn't greenlit until 2010. Maybe this is not like a gigantic shock to you guys. (laughs) I was like astounded that this film was written... By David Benioff. Because just because he's like one of the most famous writers in the geek circle, and this mm. is like an infamously bad movie, right. and I had never heard them connected huh. to yeah. each other. But this movie was actually his idea in 2001. What the hell? We'll talk about that more later, but this is, he's like the originator of this that, film. That is truly wild, yeah. Okay, so I guess. I'm in the wrong here for not knowing who David Benioff is. Mm. De- Benioff and Weiss are like the guys who do all of Game of Thrones. Are they also the ones who wrote Rise of Skywalker? They are the ones who got hired to do a Star Wars movie and then got fired. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Because they didn't they they made the last season of Game of Thrones so bad, right? They got fired. <laughs> that right? is part of it, and they made a thousand million trillion dollars with Netflix, and they uh... said, "Thanks, we'd rather do this than Star Wars." <laughs> And it was also, another writing title on this is Skip Woods, who wrote Swordfish with Jackman and Halle Berry. Yeah, um, back in 2002. And goes on to exclusively do bad action movies, Live Free or Die Hard, Hitman, and The A-Team. I take and issue. I take it that's The A-Team remake, right, with uh, Liam Neeson? Yes. I take okay. issue with you calling The A-Team a bad action movie. 
It's one of my I most viewed uh, movies, probably. Uh, the music was by Harry Gregson Williams, um, who also did the music for the Metal Gear games. What? Jay, can I tell you something? Yes. The first two films in this franchise were written by David Hayter, the voice what? of Solid Snake. Are you serious? <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, to be real. Who was Brian Darn Singer's all. personal assistant? Yes, I forgot about that. He was Brian Singer's... The guy who answers the phone. And he just wrote the script in meetings in secret. What? Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, you have to listen to it. That is the... insane. So, like, the Metal Gear roots are deep in this wow. franchise. Yeah. Wow. That Okay. The dialogue makes a lot of sense. This movie was released May 1st, 2009. Uh, what were some of the other movies? Oh, yes. That I'm were guess. big in 2009 for us to compare. Here we go. The top 10 highest grossing movies from 2009 are Avatar, mm. a film about um, colonialism. <laughs> uh, it is $2.7 billion is how much it grossed. I did not know it. Um, it leaves the second place in the dust. The second place is Harry Potter 6, which came in at just under a billion dollars. Wow. wow. Uh, next on the list, we have Ice Age 4, Dawn of the Dinosaurs classic then transformers i'm not sure what number this is but it's called revenge of the fallen i think that's the third one i think that's two is that two one is seven i want to say oh seven then we have 2012 um the classic oh uh john cusack film oh so strange it's such a strange movie and also like very similar to another movie that came out that year the year before called knowing which had uh our the crazy one in it nicholas cage uh Uh, the next on the list is up oh wow then we have twilight saga new moon Mm. Then we have Sherlock Holmes, the uh, Guy Ritchie yes. uh, remake. God, I love those movies. Yeah. Then we have Angels and Demons, the oh, second, the second yes. in the series of the uh, Da Vinci Code. Da Vinci Code. And it, we have the uh, we have Ewan McGregor in that film playing a crazy priest who like isn't a That's part of right. the Illuminati and freaking out. Wait, and, was like, he part of the Illuminati? I think he was. He flies a helicopter into a hurricane at the end, and like the God eats him. Or I thought something. the I thought the whole thing was that he was like the good guy, and the evil guy was Vision. Right, the actor plays oh. Vision, right? Oh, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany plays like a crazy monk who like whips himself. No, that's the first. That's one. the first that's one. The first okay, one. okay. I have seen both those movies uh, a few times. They're they're easy to confuse though. There's just yeah. a lot of like God talk and uh, it's just a lot of like yeah, like torture porn. And, yeah, I don't know. All right, next up um, after that, that was number nine, mm-hmm. and then after that is The Hangover. You will oh, notice that almost all of these once again are. Um, franchise starters or franchise members except for up but that's part of like you know the pixar franchise so i guess you would call that still it's like a movie you're going to go see yeah it's also a kids movie Mm -hmm. um and i guess 2012 the great independent film on this list (laughs) notable indie movie 2012 (laughs) Hearing that list kind of makes me go a little easier on this movie. Right? Because I was like, oh, everything was horrible then. Yeah. yeah everything this year sucked. None and of those movies except Up are even say, close to decent. Really, the only good movie in that list is like the first like 10 minutes of Up. Truly. Yeah. I mean, I like I the like rest of Up, up too. But I, I think while. off of this, probably 
Sherlock Holmes is oh. the most watchable of these, maybe. You don't you think besides more than up? I I've love... never seen up, so I can't really speak oh, to that. Okay. I don't know. I, I, I doubt Sherlock I, Holmes holds up. That's no, probably me true. and Chandler what Chandler, my roommate, watched it uh a couple of weeks ago and I think they both hold up okay. very well. I think they're both great still. I'm glad to hear that. The action sequences are so good. But anyway. Now, what may be shocking to you uh-huh. hearing that is that the year before this, uh-huh. in 2008, in mm. the space between when we did X3 last week and this movie this week, um, three movies came out. Mm. One of them, a little something called The Dark Knight. Oh, that is around this time. Oh, yeah. That same summer, the year before this, Iron Man and The Incredible Hulk. The start Whoa. of the MCU. Okay. So, so like, these are the first post-MCU movies wow. we have. Obviously, the impact of the MCU isn't really felt until yeah. Avengers Especially, in 2012. But, dude. Yeah. So you said those two came out after this? Uh, those three movies came out the summer before this. A whole oh, year before wow. This. Yeah. So like two, I mean, wow. I mean, Dark Knight and I feel like Iron Man 2 to an extent are both like considered some of the best superhero movies ever made. So like the yeah. fact that those came out like right before this. Yeah, compare. How did that not cut this off? The capability oh of those movies to this. It's, it's, it's nutty. It's wild. Wow. Yeah. But you know, yeah. it always crawls back from the ashes. <laughs> <laughs> okay so just a little other thing to note about this year in movies the winner for best picture as well as for best director um and the only let me just stress the only woman director ever to win oscar for best directing uh catherine wow. bigelow for hurt locker hmm. so Is jay it? the oscars are you down with me for saying they're done oh burn them down bro okay burn sweet. them down they've ruined everything are you kidding me this is the year that the Oscars break. Okay. Because oh. what had happened before was, uh-huh. the year before, Dark Knight comes out. And it's like generally agreed by everyone at the time to be the best movie of the year. Uh-huh. And the Oscars mess it up by not nominating it. Okay. They nominate Heath Ledger posthumously for his role as Joker. Right. But they don't nominate the movie or the- for best picture to like widespread backlash hmm. because of that they expand it to 10 films it used uh, to be five picture films whoa, and then they were five, like wow. okay let's make it 10 and then we'll have room for like stuff that's not gonna win more populous <laughs> stuff like movies that people actually stuff watch that just like calms people down yeah 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 which is why like in 2009 you get something like district nine like oh, a yeah. strange film being nominated yeah. for best a, picture, a great movie. I but n- I like that movie. Yeah. And then they, for the rest of the time until now, spend it like chasing the Dark Knight dollar. Mm. Spend mm. it like trying to chase like the interest of the public that they lost back in two thousand eight. Damn. Wow. Trying to just regain that uh, credibility. Yeah. Yeah. I get it, man. This movie <laughs> runs a blessed hour and forty seven minutes. This That's felt right. by far the shortest of all the ones we've watched. That's mm, true. Breeze right it by. It felt like a friggin' <laughs> the music video. It had a budget of one hundred and fifty million. So mm. much less than the last movie. Much less than the, so about half as much as the last movie? No, the last wow. was like two fifty or something. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. The last movie was the most expensive movie ever made at the time that it was made really yeah yeah so it had a budget of 150 it needed 300 million to break even uh it made 373 million it squeaked by (laughs) so jay what was your first experience with the x-men franchise so when i was a kid my uncle gave me this book of like 
it's just a collection of like the classic Marvel comics, mm-hmm. and it had the um, it had both Vicious Circle, which is the uh, issue of Hulk where Wolverine is introduced for the first oh, time, okay. and also the Hellfire Club uh, comic where Jean Grey is taken like mind controlled or something by them, and Wolverine has to go in and like save everyone by like oh, climbing whoa. through the sewers. Honestly, pretty good comic. I, I still I like it a lot. I think I don't know. I haven't read it in a while. But that was the, that, I don't remember how long ago that was, but I remember just like reading those like over and over again as a kid. That really is what got me into Marvel as a kid is those right. comics. Yeah. So funny. Wolverine looks so different. His, wow. his, his initial designs are just so, so crazy. He's just like, I mean, he's still stout, but so that's my first experience with X-Men. Um, and then of course I love the X-Men animated series growing up and then the Hulk versus animated movies. Some oh, classic yeah. cinema. I watched oh. those movies like so many times as a kid is there a hulk versus wolverine yeah there's hulk versus thor and hulk versus wolverine whoa hulk versus thor as he goes to asgard because he's like mind controlled by the enchanters or something mm-hmm. hulk versus wolverine is i think weapon x is trying to capture the hulk um and then wolverine happens to be in canada and so they're like oh well now they're fighting even though they're trying to defeat the same people basically you know um some classic Deadpool moments in there too. Wow. It's a great, it's honestly a good little, good little animated flick. Yeah. What was your first experience with the you know, Fox's X Men movie? I don't know if I ever had a specific moment as a child where I was like, "Man, I got to watch Fox X Men movies." I think it probably was just like I fell asleep Sunday afternoon watching FX or something, and I woke up and X Two was playing. That's probably what happened. <laughs> <laughs> had you ever seen this movie before? I have seen clips of this movie. Um, because, you know, back in the day, you're like a little middle schooler boy or whatever. You're just like, man, Deadpool is like the best character ever made. <laughs> um, so, you know. Emmett is destroying yeah. the studio as we speak. Uh, I love Deadpool. How dare you speak of him that way? But I mean, no, he, he, he is a good character. I, I think his fans just kind of make him cringy, but. Uh, but back in the day, you know, I'm obsessed with him. And so, like, when I found out, when I heard what, what happened to him in X-Men Origins Wolverine, I, of course, watched all the clips and I was betrayed. I was very <laughs> upset. Emmett, um, had you seen this movie before? I had. I'm sorry you had to watch it again. Yeah. Uh, I believe I saw this, like, on my birthday, the year it came out. I would have oh. been, like, 14 and thought it was pretty damn cool at the time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have watched it since then again and mm. had like already reversed my opinion on on that but yeah it is it's a stinker it's bad I wouldn't fault your younger self for thinking it was cool cuz I mean we talked about this earlier like there's so many moments in it where it's like as a young boy you like imagine yourself doing this cool yeah. stuff like <laughs> shooting the guards and you're flipping the guns around and you're jumping 30 feet cutting helicopter blades like yeah it's pretty cool in theory you know yeah there's a reason also, it's made a better video game than a movie. That's what I've heard. Listen to all of the other movies that you were watching that year. This was pretty par for the course. Yeah. That's true, yeah. But I will say one disappointing thing about this film. No blue mm. people. <laughs> That's true. Mystique never made an appearance. Never made That's an true. appearance. That's true. That's a good point. I mean, yeah, Emma Frost, she's white. And yeah, so, I don't know. She's white. <laughs> she's white. Emma's second love, white people. <laughs> I had uh, seen this movie... I think only once in doing like a rewatch 
like when I was like watching through all of the movies at a time leading up to Apocalypse, I'm pretty sure, mm. was the first and only time prior to this I'd ever seen this movie. This movie, obviously, I guess we can talk about this from the off, along with X3 has like the reputation of one of the worst movies mm. ever. Mm. This one is like more the butt of a the joke. Like when we were doing X3... There were all those quotes, like serious somber quotes from people who were all like, I regret doing it. Right. So X3 is kind of like the one that like they have to talk about seriously because of how betrayed everyone was. Right. Mm. And this one is kind of like a meme. That's what the public thinks of it. Let's (laughs) let's get into what we think of it. Jay. Yes. X-Men Origins. Wolverine. Flop or bop? Dude. Absolute flop. Are you kidding me? No way. There's, I'm trying to think of one, there's like, maybe, like, I'll say there's like two moments that are bombs. Okay. But okay. there's no way that that redeems the other, I don't know, we'll say three trillion flat moments. What are the two moments? Um, the two moments are anytime Will I Am says anything. He's so good. I'm, I'm so condensing good them all into so one moment. And then probably anytime Lee Schreiber does anything with his coat. Those are the only good moments for me. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh, wait. Yes, sir. Wolverine, X-Men, Origins. <laughs> the story behind the man, <laughs> behind the team. The memoir. The memoir. Uh, flop or bop? Let me say that this movie is a flop. <laughs> it's pretty bad. But in the moment you were asking me the question, as I was hearing the question, there was a part of me that was like, oh, it's kind of a bop. <laughs> <laughs> like this one does like it feels like a parody of other action movies because yeah. it is done so poorly yeah. it like comes all the way around to being hilarious it's an Ouroboros. like this oh, is man. i you know i said it felt like the fastest it's maybe the most watchable of any of the four we've seen so far oh, uh, of any of the four x movies you watched before? i think in yeah. quality it's really? definitely lower than the first two like yeah. they've totally lost yeah. all coherence i actually think this is the point where like I think with this one, the franchise has lost what it's about entirely. Mm. Kind yeah. of like the touch that separates it from any other superhero movie. It's truly unfocused. Um, yeah. But I do think... No, it's just a flop. Emmett, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Flop or bop? Oh, it pains my young adolescent adoration for Hugh Jackman. Mm. But it, this is, movie is a complete and utter belly flop. Oh, it yeah. is like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is so bad. Uh, oh god he's not very good in it and he's not good in it like Mm -hmm. it's it's sad to watch like so many i won't say good actors really other than hugh jackman (laughs) well your favorite actor is in this liev schreiber yeah oh is that how you say it liev i don't know it's (laughs) liev schreiber i have no idea all right yeah great that's how i've always heard no that's talk about it i want to be clear with the listeners That I've never heard anyone in my entire life other than Emmett talk about Liev Schreiber. <laughs> and I've heard Emmett talk about him a lot. Interesting. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I um, mean, he's he's solid. He's putting in good work everywhere that he is. Oh, no, I agree. I think he's I great. Think, I think he is maybe the only person who knows what they're doing in this movie. I think he's a better Sabretooth than Hugh Jackman is Wolverine but Ooh, I'll just leave that there for later. <laughs> okay. I wonder how long he spent learning the run. 
like the run the, like, crawl. Yes. Weird, like he he because he gets into he's that. He's doing the yeah. he does that. Is it James McAvoy in uh Split? Is oh that, yeah. He's doing yeah, that like oh, the thing oh, that sure. run. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. the vaulting yeah, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, if I could rectify my earlier statement, the second moment that redeems this movie is the nude scene. Oh. Oh yeah, that's something we should talk about. Yeah. You see Hugh Jackman's buns in this. You do. Pretty like a lot. You see them a lot, actually. <laughs> Like, a lot more than I expected Yeah, you get, like, quite a few shots of them. Yeah. That is something that will go on to kind of define the franchise a little bit. Like, these movies stay PG-13, but they do use nudity um, and the one F-bomb you can use in a PG-13. We don't get any language like that here. I will say... um... That that actually... That's interesting, because the use of nudity... Like, I, I haven't seen a lot of these movies, so I don't know, but it actually feels pretty in line with, like the history of X-Men because a lot of like those, I feel like mid nineties X-Men, especially that is some very horny artwork. Yeah. Like, oh, there yeah. is some human forms in there, like storms costume. Come on. Yeah. So like, that's... I feel like the use of nudity is pretty on brand for X-Men and I'm, I'm honestly, wow. Look at them go. Yeah. Happy for them. For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. A little bit less. Gr- the I would say the full nudity here is less gratuitous than all of like the leering camera angles we've gotten That's in the true. last three movies. Mm. And I mean, it helps the that there are mystique. It uh, does help that there are no women in this movie except for the one. <laughs> yeah, this movie has really galaxy-brained the Bechdel test. They've learned that it's, there's only one female character. You can't fail the Bechdel test because there are no other females for her to you talk to. You have no power here, Bechdel test. Damn. <laughs> So, the series ends with X3, a pretty definitive end. Like, there's not, they have not really left themselves much room to go forward. And so, instead, they go back in time to do the origin of Wolverine. Right. Are there any good prequels? Uh, I know me and you disagree on this way, but I do like Temple of Doom. It is technically a prequel. Oh, that is interesting. It is a prequel. I mean, only technically, because it happens, like, what, three or four years before Raiders? It happens, like, one year before Raiders. Yeah, yeah, But it does the prequel thing of, like, introducing characters that you know are going to be gone and, like, lining up what happens to them and how it takes the character on the arc to be the character you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Besides Star Wars prequels. What makes it hard to pull off a prequel? Um, I feel like maybe, well, because if, you know, especially, like, if you're dropping a movie, uh, that's... I mean, at least meant to be standalone or at most meant to have sequels. You spend so much time introducing the character and then it's like, okay, so we know the character and then you have to go back in time and kind of reintroduce them in ways that like, I don't know. You know, I mean, it's just like we have to relearn the character now because we learned him at this certain point, but we also know him already. Yeah. Or or her or them. I mean, but um, I don't know. It's just like, it is tough because... And also, you got to throw a little fan service in there. It's like right. that's why I'm here, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You watch, you watch Star Wars because I mean, like Obi Wan does all that stuff, you know. But I don't know. I don't know, dude. It feels like that's maybe the most exciting stuff in a prequel is just seeing like how what's going to line up with the status quo. Yeah, that you know. yeah. We yeah. certainly do get a lot of that in this at the very end. Yeah, yeah. The jacket in particular well not even with wolverine but just in that oh, we just get like, all oh, of the, the other them. like young x-men who get saved yeah by yeah professor x yeah it's also tough i mean that makes a lot of sense too because i mean if you're 
main job with the prequel is to end somewhere, um, then it mm. kind of feels hard to get a lot of that like kind of like good substance. Yeah, Does that make sense? and also there's like, I mean, I know this is kind of always an issue whenever mm. you have Wolverine of like, oh, he probably is not going to die because his entire like power revolves around being invincible. But right. And also, yeah, but like, you know, the character isn't like the main character in a prequel. If it's a character, you know, from the like, presumably mm-hmm. it's like a character prequel, then, you know, they're going to like whatever obstacles they face, they're going to come out pretty much okay right yeah they wind up being the character you know yeah so you're like you know they're gonna survive and then it's wolverine so you especially know he's going to survive yeah exactly um this one is maybe a little more apt though because we know that wolverine doesn't have memories right and then he does like he does remember things of this so that's kind of like the shadow hanging over this movie Is like, how is he going to lose his memories? And how does he lose his memories, Wade? (laughs) Why do you care to talk about that from the film? Um, He loses his memories because he gets shot several times with adamantium bullets. Mm -hmm. Right. By Danny Huston, who in 24 years grows up to look like Brian Cox. I'm sorry, but I'm not buying it. Can we actually go back to the start of this movie? Yeah. And walk through this a little bit. Please. Mm -hmm. You've got... Troy Savon. Oh yeah, right. Playing Troy a young Savon. Wolverine. I screamed when you told me that. I was so I was, excited. Jesus. He has like the action shot too. He's like screaming into the rain, like Wolverine. Yeah. Who is like a sick young boy in? I don't know. Canada. Canada. Eighteen forty-five. Eighteen forty-five. Which is not accurate to the comics, but we're not going to pass over that. And there's yeah. some Pride and Prejudice drama going on. Oh, yeah. It's some m- mellow drama. Yeah. They're all ending their statements with Sir. Felt very uh, Wuthering Heights. Um, yeah. Honestly, it's one of my favorite parts of the movie. <laughs> this whole film is kind of a melodrama. Truly. The tone yeah. of it is like wildly different from the tone of the last three movies. Mm. And I know that the last movie is is different than the first two, but like, I feel yeah. like the first three are trying to be serious comic book movies. Yeah, and this one is trying to be a balls to the wall action movie. It's trying to be a balls to the wall action movie, but at the same time, make Wolverine like the most tragic char- character yeah, possible. Yeah, exactly. Which I don't think has ever worked for him. I feel like yeah, like he's definitely a tragic character. But I mean, I I don't think leaning into that part of his personality has ever garnered any success ever. It's just like him just being like, well, I don't care. I'm going to go kill some people. You know, like that's his whole deal. Also, we know whatever horrible things happen to him that he's going to forget them. So it's <laughs> yeah. not like he's haunted by the memories of the things that happened to him in this movie. Yeah. yeah, literally the only memories he's ever haunted by in the original trilogy are the memories of the procedure itself. Yeah. 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 He doesn't have any like previous amnesia and also like it's the the movie is so him focused that like any prequel like potential stuff we could get out of the other characters like uh-huh. it just doesn't like why we don't get anything from it and also there's no interesting drama out of like these other characters that we see you know especially because the next time you see Sabretooth, if you're watching this in like chronological order mm-hmm. he gets just thrown off the roof of the statue of liberty and he's done Mm, yeah mm. this movie really has the star wars episode three episode four problem Mm. where they have like built up so much the epicness of the duel Mm -hmm. between these two characters Mm -hmm. locked in eternal combat Mm -hmm. and then the next time you see them for their final duel 
Sabretooth like hits the hood of his car and is done in one minute. And mm-hmm. Wolverine has no idea who he is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's interesting. Just, that yeah. kind of screws that whole thing up. Emmett, does this movie answer any questions you had after the last three movies about Wolverine? Any questions? Because it does. Uh, X two spends a lot of time teasing Wolverine's backstory. It has the stuff with William Stryker, who is also in this movie, uh, who's not from the comics. I mean, like, it answers the question of specifically just, like, what did it look like when Wolverine got shot up with adamantium? Yeah. Mm. I mean, if you... And I'm sure, like, in my 14-year-old brain, I was like, oh, yeah, I needed to know exactly what that looked like. Yeah. But on thinking back on it, it's much creepier, like, all the hints that you get of it in X2 is much more body horror and frightening Mm. than the much more graphic thing that you get in this movie, I think. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think it's pretty consistent with what you see in X2, but I think it's pretty scary here. Gambit I, is not in X1, right? No. no, this is the first time we see Gambit. So that really, yeah, that answers the question I was asking when watching X1, which is, oh, was Gambit ever in this universe? That was the only question I ever had watching that movie. So, there you go. Okay. Should we go ahead and talk <laughs> about Gambit now? Yeah, let's do it. I just wish it was Channing Tatum, man. Yeah, Channing Tatum, after this, for like a decade, will try to get a Gambit movie made. It's too and bad. it never happens. He really... It's too bad. Give him one. Give like, it to him. Give it to him. I mean, we saw what happened with Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool. I mean, despite your feelings on Deadpool, the Deadpool movies, you know, they were successful. Yeah, okay, so hold that thought. We'll talk about Deadpool okay, okay. in a heard, moment. Heard, heard, heard. Um, Gambit is in this... He's played by Taylor Kitsch, who is a guy that Hollywood kept trying to make happen. They kind of had a run with him that was similar to, I feel like, what happened with Jai Courtney a few years ago. Mm. Where they were like, we know no one likes this guy, but here he is in as the lead in 15 action movies. And yeah. we hope you like him. He is also three years away, along with the one female in this movie, from being the leads of John Carter. Damn. Another famous flop. Whoa. Mm-hmm. He's John oh Carter. Oh my god. Mars, Taylor Kitsch. And that and the female lead in this is in that too. The um, yeah, Lynn Collins wow. is the female lead. And that was three years after this? He was playing Silver Fox. Yeah, it was two thousand twelve. Is is that wow. wait, she's playing a character that has a name? <laughs> in this film, I didn't know until she dies that her name was Kayla, Kayla yeah. in this movie okay. because then Wolverine screams it. I had not heard it prior to that. And I didn't know until reading the credits that her name was Kayla Silverfox, okay. meaning she was the mutant Silverfox from the comics. Jay, what's your take on the Gambit issue here? Do you like him? Um. Oh, man. Well, I like him because Will I Am likes him. <laughs> the first thing we hear Will I Am say when he sees him is, that's cool. <laughs> and frankly, that really did uh instill a lot of confidence in me about the character i mean i think despite the scripts and perhaps taylor kitsch that's his name yeah taylor kitsch taylor kitsch's best efforts i think he is charming to an extent um but (laughs) to an extent like a little bit like he's got a little bit but i also i mean it's just like the way they use him is so weird and his powers are so ambiguous in this it's like so hard to track like what is going on uh parkour parkour stabbing his poles into a a wall to climb it good with cards good with planes magic um oh and there's that part where uh wolverine uh knocks him unconscious and then 10 seconds later we see him jump off a rooftop (laughs) and slam his staff into the ground so i guess his other power could be 
teleporting ostensibly i don't know (laughs) no there's already one person with that ability in this movie there can't be more than one with the same ability in the same film yeah Um, let's run through the crew at the beginning this was shocking okay yeah let's do it so wolverine starts as part of this mutant strike force that were recruited presumably out of the war criminals of vietnam yeah, this movie starts. Can we can we really talk about yeah, this? Yeah. Okay. So we get the Pride and Prejudice drama at the uh-huh. beginning. Then we get for the first time not a DNA opening credit oh, sequence. Oh, it's so cool. A so much better opening yes. credit sequence of Wolverine and Sabretooth fighting together over the years because they're half brothers. Right. Uh, which include which ends with Sabretooth raping a woman in vietnam and the soldiers the other soldiers trying to stop him unrealistic and then wolverine (laughs) trying to stop them from stopping him and they kill a bunch of guys yeah and then i only think killed and then they're killed yeah they they say it tickled that's the thing and so the thing about that montage is it's like honestly pretty cool for the most part i mean like you know obviously views on war notwithstanding it's like wow like these guys really have been through it all wow cool look at their relationship yeah. and then like yeah it's like it ends and like with the scene from uh i think it's it's apocalypse now with him just like shooting the gun out the window just like <laughs> yeah. get some get some ha, ha, ha. and just like no stop <laughs> it and then he commandeers the helicopter oh yeah it's like, so weird um i guess a big mutant ability is like randomly being able to fly really high yes. powered equipment <laughs> Yeah, because Gambit does that later too, yeah. <laughs> and Zero. That's right. He's flying. A, he's flying a helicopter too. This uh, movie loves helicopters. Yeah, I'm not sure if we've seen any helicopters before. I'm realizing now mm. why they were still using the Vietnam War era helicopter later because they got it for the first part, right? And they couldn't afford another one. <laughs> exactly. One on using these. the UH one still. Yeah. So oh. then he becomes part of this team. Mm-hmm. It's him, Sabretooth whose power is having long fingernails and also healing a little bit, but not as much. Honestly, maybe. Queer icon. Then you've got <laughs> Agent Zero, who is, like, good with guns. Yeah. Aren't we all? Good. And he can jump really high. <laughs> he can jump backwards yeah. really cool. Who else is there? You've got Dominic Monaghan as a man who can, like, control electronics with his mind. Yeah. So we see him, like, operate the elevator and then, like, turn on some light bulbs. Later. Yeah. He's, he's like, I don't know. They must He must have a really great personality. Cause <laughs> I have to be honest with you. I had completely forgotten Dominic Monaghan was in this movie until you just mentioned it. <laughs> He's very soft-spoken. He has a tender presence. In I mean, I, yeah, I, I I said this earlier. I honestly believe it. This is some of the most sensitive acting I've ever seen Dominic Monaghan <laughs> ever do. <laughs> then you've got, I would say, the only person who understands the tone of the movie, Will I Am, yes. the Black Eyed Peas. Goat. God, who can so teleport. Good. Yeah. I want to say this whole wave of everyone applauding Lil Nas X as the first black cowboy two years ago. You've got him right here, baby. Will I Am as a black cowboy. He's got the hat. Yeah. He's teleporting. He's got an accent, kind of. Yeah. I got to say, uh, the effect they used to uh, do his teleporting. I actually thought it was really cool. Oh, uh, with like how it left his skeleton behind. Yeah, like the skeleton kind of like can't like it like skeleton to flesh kind of mm-hmm. how like as opposed to like Nightcrawler's like mist. Yeah, which I think is used very effectively in that White House scene, for example. Mm-hmm. But um, the um, the way that he teleports, I thought was like I was like that's a really cool effect actually. And then it's, it's obviously used later when what's his name grabs his spine. So I was yeah. like, wow, that's actually that's just like some cool like in world 
yeah best thing. best like, character that's a cool moment i was like that was a really cool moment he just grabbed yeah. the spine and like i mean it was brutal but yeah it's cool yeah i do re- like that is one of the parts of this movie that i had remembered before watching it of like mm-hmm. oh yeah there's a part where he kills a guy by ripping his spine out like as he's teleporting yeah. just Ugh. and then the last member of the team is ryan reynolds as wade wilson deadpool Ryan Reynolds had been trying to get a Deadpool movie set up in 2003 at New Line Cinema with David S. Goyer, the writer of The Dark Knight. Uh, and then it fell through because of Blade Trinity. They like had to put all their efforts into Blade uh. Trinity. So it fell through. And then I guess he's just like super passionate about this character and wanted to play him here. His take on it in like the five minutes we see at the beginning is m- closer to the Deadpool we get later in the series than I remembered. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just like snarky, kind of charming, doesn't stop talking. Yeah. yeah. It's all right there. I Also, you're forgetting one of the members of the team, the guy who will later become the blob. I was about to mention that, yeah. Uh, oh, Kevin Durand. Yeah. Um, whose power before being the blob is... Strength or strong? Kind of like, in, I don't know, He his whole move, his one move he does twice is that he just puts his fist in the barrel of a tank and when they fire he's the bullet explodes destroying the tank oh that might be a blob ability of like absorbing power kind maybe of like the hulk kind of like that uh the the sebastian shaw thing yeah he has the kinetic energy thing yeah maybe, yeah. maybe. Yeah. yes and then later when we see him he because of stress from his war crimes has guilt eaten so much that he's become the blob it's it's which, weird and horrifying which and... we do get an origin story for the name <laughs> yeah which was great wolverine goes i'm trying to talk to you bub or something and he goes did you just call me the blob <laughs> and then they fight so that was great that was really good i like that a lot the effect on him is pretty good it's i mean it's, it's truly disgusting it's disconcerting but effective yeah yeah i was like yeah that's uh that's the blob yeah yeah pretty good um yeah, he, he a little known fact is Kevin Durand is a is a follower of the Christian Bale school of acting, so he actually put on all of that weight. <laughs> Something um, we have to talk about, and okay. I'm sorry for jumping across so much this episode. Yeah, but this is truly what this movie does too. Mm-hmm. For the first hour of this movie, uh huh, everyone calls Wolverine oh, Jimmy. Yes, yes, because That's his name. What his wife calls him. That's what his brother calls him. That's what his dad calls him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then, and and importantly, while he's on the the special team, that's what people call him. Right. Yes. Yes. Like at the top of the third act, Stryker calls him Logan, inexplicably, and then his wife calls him Logan. But there's never any explanation of it. And his dog tag says Logan too. Yes, his dog tag suddenly says Logan. Now I can kind of get you the workaround on this okay but it's it's tough it's not ever stated out loud in this movie i don't think but the name of the groundskeeper who's was who says like mm-hmm. jimmy i am your father at the very beginning his <laughs> son his name <laughs> is i am your father his no. name is thomas <laughs> logan yeah um his last name is logan mm-hmm. and uh Jimmy, Wolverine's half-brother's name is Victor Logan. So there's a chance... But later... There's a chance that he changed his last name from Howlett to Logan 
when he was running right. along with uh with maybe leaf schreiber and eventually striker was like ah screw it i'll just call him by his last name yeah. and then when he hears it he thinks it's his first name although didn't i see too that <laughs> i mean that is the <laughs> galaxy brain workaround yeah for but what the hell's going i mean i'm not tell, saying it's you know, clear like... it, at any point in this movie uh, that's what happened but i th- think that's what like they think um, happened but isn't because i thought i saw earlier on that the like, because we watched it on Amazon, and they have the little pop-up thing where it shows the character names and everything. Mm-hmm. Isn't Sabretooth's name Victor Creed? Oh, he calls him Victor Creed in this movie. So, like, does he t- does yeah. he do that too? He says well, his full name at some point. So, like, what is? Oh, Jesus Christ! Everyone's just changing their last names, just and no changing. one is discussing it yeah. at all. No, they didn't even go to a notary public. They were just yeah, like, nah. nah, we're doing nah, it. We're doing that. He's like, I'm immortal. I'll change my name. Please write us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com if you have any idea of how this Jimmy Logan switch happens. Yeah, for real. It is baffling. Also, for a lot of the early part of this movie, Wolverine is doing a Christian Bale impersonation from Dark, from Dark Knight, or at least from uh. Batman Begins. He's doing like the, where is she? Where is she? He's like making where his horse, voice horse. But that could also be the fact that, as you said, uh, he's not drinking any water on the entire production yes. of this movie. Yes, dude. You look at Wolverine's body in this movie. It is so sinewy. It is so veiny. You can see yeah. every strand of muscle. This man must have drank an ounce of water a day. Like, I, and then, like, imagine all the stuff he's doing, too. Like, he's sweating it out, man. Like, I can, I don't, he must have had a bad headache. I sympathize. I read that Liev Schreiber put on 40 pounds to play this part. Good God. Why? He never, he doesn't <laughs> yeah. even he's take wearing a, a trench coat he's the whole movie. Coat. This movie just demands so much out of people, audience, and actors alike. Demands right? so much in return for so little. <laughs> exactly. There's so little that bounces back. Okay, so I have um, some cultural context okay. for you. Please. And that is only in regards to the Three Mile Island incident, mm. um, which this movie ends with. The Three Mile Island incident was a nuclear incident mm. that happened... Uh, in 1979 that's how we know what year it is in the latter half of this movie it's just like dated off the three mile island incident i don't think it ever says this in the subtitle i was gonna say that it happened in 1979 yeah we spent a lot of time trying to figure out do they even ever say three mile island in the movie yes they do they call it the island but then when you get there they're like oh he was throwing it on three mile island it's a nuclear base jay and i were sitting there just watching it happily and then Emmett yells oh three mile (laughs) island as though and to me he could have said thousand island ranch I have no (laughs) idea what on earth he was talking about but he had so much recognition for what was going on so So what is it so the deal is in 1979 there was like basically this meltdown Mm -hmm. like things got overpressured because of computer and human interface error which basically means the scientists didn't know how to read the computers and we probably shouldn't laugh about it because it was probably pretty upsetting at the time but that was the official story sure what turns out actually happened is that wolverine cut off deadpool's head while he had while he had cyclops's eyes implanted in him and he sliced the entire reactor in half that's what actually happened that's the real story. yeah in a perfect spiral and, a perfect and he didn't spiral. even cut the the reactor he just cut a smokestack that's true so like wow how interesting cyclops is better in this than he is in either of the three past yes. movies. Yeah, he's doing okay more. this has always been my top two frustrations with the x-men series but the guy that they cast as cyclops and maybe it's just the writing mm-hmm. i think is atrocious so bad because i mean 
I I read the um, X Men versus Avengers comics mm-hmm. and I liked them. They were cool. But the thing is, is like Cyclops is like a total badass in those. Like he's like tough as nails, gets what he wants, mm-hmm. doesn't let anyone get in his way, and mm-hmm. then he gets the Phoenix Force and it becomes like this all powerful being and blah 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 blah. What? In the movies, I feel like he's just like, ah, oh no, don't take my goggles off, no. It's just like really, I'm just like, man, you ruined that character. He's one of my favorite comic characters, honestly, Cyclops. You were telling us something about him uh, while we were watching it about where his power comes from. Can you speak yes, to that for a second? Yes. So Cyclops's actual power is that his eyes are portals to an energy dimension. <laughs> So whenever he opens them, the portals, ha- uh, you know, they create little openings in his energy dimension and energy just escapes like a little vacuum like in a spaceship. So he's just shooting energy out of this dimension. I believe it's because his father is an alien. <laughs> yeah, so it's not heat, which I did know. I knew it was like some sort of dimensional force. Right. Yeah. But it's not like fire. Which, in this movie, they don't seem to make too much of a distinction on that. Okay, so wait, can you give us some of the -the behind-the-scenes drama? Yeah, so David Benioff, who I just want to reiterate, is absolutely wild that he's connected to this. (laughs) Like, one of the most popular, as in (laughs) well-known, geeks on Earth. Yeah. Back in 2001, uh, right after the first movie came out, started approaching Fox about wanting to do a solo Wolverine Origins movie. His inspirations for it were Chris Claremont and Frank Miller's 1982 Wolverine limited series, which I'm Mm. sure was gritty and dark and horrible. Yeah, that's Frank Miller. (laughs) Barry Windsor Smith's 1991 Weapon X story. Mm. And Bill Gemma, Paul Jenkin, and Joe Quesada's 2001 Origin miniseries. Mm -hmm. I've been reading that one today. It is mostly just that first Elizabethan part of it. I think you'd actually really like it, Jay. It's, uh, oh, yeah. It's mostly just like how he becomes Wolverine in the old days. So Benioff, at the same time that he is publishing his novel, The 25th Hour, is trying to get Fox to do it. They don't bite. In 2004, they hire him. Uh, so right after X2, uh, which is around the same time that he is adapting that same novel for Spike Lee which is one of his first screenwriting credits, 25th Hour. This movie actually started production in that sense before The Last Stand, as we talked about last week. Benioff's draft, he said, was darker and more brutal. It was uh, an R-rated take on the character. He wanted Gambit and Deadpool. He finished his draft in 2006, uh, and then Fox hired Skip Woods, who had worked on Hitman for them mm. to do his new draft. Fox wanted to do two origin movies, which is why this is like the start of a new series, X-Men Origins. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. wanted to do a Wolverine prequel and a Magneto prequel. Whoa. And that one <laughs> like languished in development hell for long enough that whatever work they had done on it got folded into first class, which we'll talk about more next week. Oh, so see. this movie, uh, the first choice for director... As with last week, was Zack Snyder, who turned it down. (laughs) He was off doing Watchmen. This is the rare example where I'll say, I think Zack Snyder would have made something better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at least, like, the spectacle stuff in this would be more convincing. Exactly. If it was Snyder behind the lens. It would probably have the same depth 
but oh absolutely it would look better i mean watchmen i think is the same year and looks better than this oh yeah or around this time yeah, period yeah, yeah, at yeah. least for sure so they bring on gavin hood who i want to talk about for a minute he as we mentioned before before this had won an oscar for the best foreign language film in tatsi he's a south african filmmaker and an auteur before this mm. and he like gets wrangled into doing this thing Jackman liked Tatsi and he thought Wolverine was similar to the main character in that it's kind of like a crime film. Mm. Gavin Hood's main take, well, he had two things. He made the choice to have Sabretooth and Wolverine be brothers, mm -hmm. which they're not in the comics. Not in the comics, oh, that's correct. I didn't know that. So the kid in the comics is just like another guy he has, like, he so does like have buds. a brother that he has beef with and like has okay. a major arc with, but it's not sabertooth and he and sabertooth just have separate beef huh. yeah and that is how it was in the original script too but he wanted them to be uh, brothers to make to make it kind of textual his big take on the character was that he was struggling between being an animal and being a human yeah which i'm not sure how much we've seen of at all from Wolverine in the past three movies, mm -hmm. there are references made to that in this movie. Some. That seem a little out of place because I'm not sure if we ever yeah. see that actual struggle depicted. Right. I mean, there's like those parts where they're like, you know, the classic uh, him and Sabretooth running at each other. Yeah. And they're both like <laughs> snarling or whatever. And oh, there's like sure. that one. I mean, there's, and there's those few parts where he's just, I mean, like the parts you're referencing where he's just like, I have to be what I am. You know, oh, and yeah. that's the animal. <laughs> and then yeah. he's like, oh, the Wolverine. But I mean, like, I don't know. He's a lot of snarling. That's pretty much all the characterization we get of that I particular conflict. Yeah. Hood also wanted the tone to be darker. Uh -huh. His pitch for it was that it was about Wolverine struggling with PTSD about his time in the army. And Fox okay. was like, we really saw it once. In this no, we want it to be light. And it got, like, so bad that in the middle of filming, Fox was, like, about to fire him. They had, it doesn't say who they are, but they had two directors that they had already called. And they were like, hey, you might get the call tomorrow to go and direct X-Men Origins Wolverine. Because we, like, hate how much this guy's trying to make it into a serious movie. Wow. Uh, and Richard Donner, producer, director of Superman, mm -hmm. we've talked about him in all of these episodes now, uh. flew to the set and mediated between the two of them. To get to, like, how to find some middle ground on the disparity between the tonal shifts. Wow. Which almost shut this movie down. Honestly, Damn. that makes so much sense. Like, watching this movie. Yeah. Like, this tonal battle. Because there's clear tonal battles going on during this movie. Yeah. Um, it makes the setup of this movie, too. Like, that it's a melodrama and that... It ends in Vietnam war crimes. Yeah. And then, like, people trying to move away from that. And, and there's live. also Will I Am. <laughs> it's just, yeah, wow, there's a lot going on. Um, while they were filming this, the version of the script they were shooting was also unfinished. They would get the new scenes sent to them from LA while they were filming in Australia at night and then shoot the scenes the next day. Wow. This was also coming off the back of the writer's strike, the Writers Guild of America strike oh. that had happened the year before. So I'm... Solidarity, solidarity. I don't know how Skip Woods fits into that, but um, <laughs> he was apparently the guy who was sending them the scenes literally the night before they were filming them. Damn. Which I think also explains some things. Wow, yeah. 
Wow. I mean, I'm not saying he's a scab, but most experts would say don't pick him. <laughs> On March yes. 31st, Dude, nice. 2009, this entire movie leaked online. What? <laughs> Two months before it came out. That's probably... Wow. No wonder I saw some of um, on YouTube. How? This is the answer that Fox themselves gave. Mm-hmm. I know this is going to sound strange and unconvincing. <laughs> this is the direct answer as much as we know it. Okay. It was uploaded to the internet mm-hmm. by a man from the Bronx <laughs> who bought it on a DVD from a man from Korea. That's the official response? That is the official <laughs> studio line on what happened what? here. The studio also said, but how did this this so-called man from Korea get the DVD? Fox, like what? How do I give you this guy from Korea? Like executive uh, Fox also said that this movie was downloaded by a minimum of 15 million people before it was even released. Wow! Wow, dude. Um, there was some like sound and visual effects that were unfinished. Okay. Well, uh, they're still in the movie, I think. <laughs> yeah. We also have to talk about how Wolverine's claws in this look hand animated. Yes. Oh, they are so bad. It looks like who's framing Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Oh, he does. It's really strange. Oh, man. Also embroiled in this controversy was Roger Friedman, oh. uh, the film critic from Fox News, who, of course, has the same parent company as Fox the Studio, Mm -hmm. who was fired for writing a film review of the leaked copy and describing in his review how easy it was to find the leak. Oh, my God. Um, Although, it it does note here that it was a very positive review. In the actual movie, as it exists now, there is a mid credit scene, Mm -hmm. which I don't even remember what it was. It's Stryker. Oh, it's that they're coming to arrest Stryker. Or something. And then there's a post-credit scene, which is Deadpool starting to reassemble itself. But this time with a mouth. But there is also another post-credit scene that they filmed. Oh. And different screenings show different ones. Mm -hmm. And this was in an attempt to have some reason for people to come and see this movie in theaters when it was released. Because everyone had already seen it. But the other post-credit scene, this is pretty shocking to me is Wolverine in Japan. Whoa. He's at a bar in Japan. Someone comes and asks him, like, are you drinking to forget? And he says, no, I'm drinking to try to remember. There's that melodrama again. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, for real. But that implies to me more setup than I suspected mm-hmm. for a later film in this franchise that will take place in Japan. Mm-hmm. But that exchange suggests to me that he went to Japan sometime between this movie and the original X-Men. Oh. In which case, it was not. Knowing setup. setup. Yeah. Uh, maybe he just likes Japan. He just goes there a lot. Oh, yeah. No, that's like a thing in the comics. He's yeah. like a total... Uh, and he had like a... Uh, he had a wife there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you got wives Silver, all over the place. Silver yeah. Samurai is like one of his like, you know, baddies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, this movie was a financial success, although it underperformed Fox's set expectations for it, mm. which has been attributed possibly to the leak or possibly to the swine flu. Which was Whoa. majorly affecting several movie-going countries at the time this movie was released. Uh, wow. Topical. Uh, it got mixed to negative reviews from critics. Okay. It has a 40 on Metacritic. Hugh Jackman himself was not particularly happy with this movie. He eventually said that he wanted a movie that was focused just on Wolverine, but, quote, 
somehow the first Wolverine movie ended up looking like the fourth X-Men, just with different characters. Hmm. Uh, there was also a video game tie-in to this movie that was made by Raven Software, which supposedly is very good. Yeah. It included Mystique and the Sentinels, adding them into this plot line. Oh. It was also rated M, Whoa. which is the video game equivalent of R for strong language and graphic violence. So it's interesting that like the original pitch for this movie by Benioff was like a hard-rated R Wolverine movie, and Fox wouldn't let them do it, but the video game did get to do a hard R Wolverine. Yeah. Hmm. It's probably like they just like made Wolverine, they saw how like all the infighting ruined everything, and they're like, man, well, this sucks. And then the guys are like, hey, can we make it M? And they're like, honestly go for it dude like let's try to milk as much money out of this property as we can at this point like there are also scenes in this movie that certainly look like they are from the video game yes Mm. such as one where wolverine is dealing with a ladder it's like a fire escape that Gambit's trying to escape up and he's like hitting the rings one by one clawing them away with his claws as they fall it is truly impossible to describe this scene to you if you have never seen this movie, if you've never seen this movie, it is impossible to accurately tell you what it looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. Or how just like how long it goes How for. long it is. That, that's the most ridiculous part. Like you just watch it. Like it's just like I can I can sit here for three hours and try to go as in-depth with you as possible. But you are not going to understand what is going on until you watch it. This is the only movie in this entire franchise I would recommend people watch. <laughs> because you need to understand what it's like. It is indescribable. It's, it is Uncontainable. It will melt your brain. Uh, um, well, I didn't mean to segue the, from that the into closest this, to but like you might as well. As we can get. Um, there were two separate unrelated incidents after this movie of children injecting mercury into their body to try and become Wolverine. Interesting. That's the old, the old Quicksilver routine, I see. Uh, <laughs> this is a little, little playing words. But, uh, wow. You said two? Yeah, two separate, wow. unrelated incidents two of separate. kids doing this. Wow. Do you know that if that happened? Like, if that happened... Did they die? I don't know. Uh, I hope not. If, I hope not, too. Yeah, yeah, I hope not. If that happened today, though, I feel like it would be several hundred, at least, would have done it. <laughs> <laughs> these gen zers and their wolverine movies i, like, I on, and i honestly do think that it just like would have become a sensation and everybody would have been like yeah we should probably do that yeah these x-men movies are like all in on kids in cages there are like ca- human-sized cages everywhere in this world because yeah. it seems like for three movies in a row the villain's plan is like we're gonna capture them and we're gonna stick them in a cage and then we'll just leave them there. That's it. That's the whole plan. Yeah. Until we release them for whatever reason. Yeah. We really found right. out that Lynn Collins, who plays Jimmy's wife in this, uh, is a Juilliard grad. Yeah. Mm. Meaning that she went to Juilliard for four years to then be relegated to just wearing six different nightwear pieces of lingerie in this movie and then in the last scene just wearing a really bad renaissance fair cosplay (laughs) and get this she dies twice in this movie we get the iconic (laughs) Hugh Jackman holding his dead love twice twice in this movie okay so we're gonna talk about the continuity real quick this is a new segment new segment we're doing this week whoa you want it you want it please okay continuity corner Oh, um, is our corner. new segment. Okay. Let's step into the continuity corner. 
Get uh, into the corner. So this movie is a prequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the first movie where the the possibility of screwing up the continuity occurs. Ah, uh, yes. This movie takes place in 1979 for the most, like, the end of it. We've mm-hmm. got a Charles Xavier. He can walk. He has powers. Mm-hmm. He has no hair. Notedly, in 2000, he is in a wheelchair. Yes. He doesn't have hair and he has powers. Mm-hmm. And in the 1986 flashback yes. that I think we get in, it's 86 or maybe yeah. 87 if it's in the near distant future we've got him visiting gene gray he can walk yeah, and he looks the same as he does and he looks movie. the same and he is tight with magneto still at that point 86 that's what we're tracking right now the wolverine stuff is weird because all this stuff happens to him and then he loses his memory mm-hmm. so that tracks and then he spends 21 years cage fighting and drinking in a bar in canada i mean wouldn't you hey, we've all been there <laughs> Okay. I'm glad that Professor X doesn't interact with Wolverine in this. Because I feel like it would be, like, a step too far Yeah, if he had really known him and dealt with him and then acted yeah. like he didn't know him later. So, that presents an interesting question for me, though. Because at the end of the movie, Professor X just kind of appears. I feel like there's never a point where, you know, anyone's like, Oh, well, I know a guy that might be able to help you with these mutants. Yeah, well, no. you know how he gets there. Helicopter. Helicopter, baby! And guess who was flying it? Probably just him. (laughs) Notable mutant, yes. He loves helicopters. This movie loves helicopters. Yeah, but notably, they couldn't afford to get another one, so they animated it. (laughs) Because they didn't want to use the the old Huey again. No, they didn't. Do you you want to talk about your favorite scene in this before we skip it? Yes! I was watching it. It's him fighting Agent Zero, and he's on a motorcycle. Motorcycle V helicopter, the classic matchup, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah, the Um, bitter enemies. Tom Cruise, I'm sure, has done that matchup plenty of times. Um, And we're watching it, and I said, man, I hope Wolverine slices those rotors off with his claws. (laughs) And ten seconds later, boom, slices them off. And then what did you say, Wade? Uh, I said, Wolverine 1, Agent (laughs) 0. Oh, God. Oh, and then there's that scene where he's walking away. Uh After talking to Agent 0, he's like, why? Why did you do this? Or whatever. And... As Wolverine is walking away, you can clearly see Agent Zero in the background still. His face is on screen. It's blurry, but you can still see his face. And he says something. I can't remember what he said. It was like, oh, people around you keep dying or something like that. Uh, He said, why didn't you hug your wife in front of all those dudes at the construction (laughs) corner? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But he's like, people who meet you keep dying or something. But notably, the actor's mouth does not move. Um, to which Ryan Reynolds at the end of this movie. <laughs> yes. So uh, that must be Agent Zero's other power is speaking without moving his mouth. Ventriloquy. Okay. It's a uh, probably. Um, so in response to that, Wolverine takes his claws, his animated claws, and sparks with a rock on the ground <laughs> and lights his perfect line of oil right to it. Massive explosion. You know what? Wolverine doesn't turn around, baby. He keeps walking. And I got to credit him for that. I got to give it to him. You know what I mean? That was the exact moment where this movie went from hot garbage to instant classic in my eyes. <laughs> and it's just like, it's so, I mean, when you say like, it's like satirizing action movies, uh-huh. it is just like so clear in that instance. Because it's just like, all the visual cues are there. The music swells. It's just like, that's, it's action movies condensed into one scene. It's just like, bro. It truly he is. didn't have sunglasses on, which is the only other thing he's missing. But I mean, do you think the problem with Hugh Jackman in this is that he's playing it too seriously? Absolutely. 
Yeah, that he's just like going. Oh for. yeah, yeah, and it's not even like a good series either. How do we feel about his monologue <laughs> towards the end of this? It was real for me. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. I'm just the fool who got played. That's right. So Wolverine is definitely the protagonist of this movie. Yes. Sure. Yes. That for work sure. is done for us that when works. movies have the character's name as the title. What does he want? What does Wolverine want? So, wow. Interesting. Interesting question, Wade. Thank you for asking. <laughs> um, uh, I would. So let's see. Let's start from the beginning. What is Wolverine doing? He's rejected by his father mm-hmm. and runs away from his mother because I know he's going to be alienated because they found out he's a mutant. Yeah. So I guess the only thing he really wants is uh, to like to find, well, no, I was going to say find like a place to be accepted, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's right. ever really made clear. I guess it's like just to like uh, the younger Sabretooth says, you can't trust nobody. You got to be hard and fend for yourself you know except he's a kid so fend for yourself so i I guess like it's that's what he wants is to just fend for himself uh which for some reason involves him fighting in every war in u.s history (laughs) yeah i mean if you're trying to survive maybe (laughs) avoiding wars with your healing powers right a better use of time (laughs) exactly um so but i i guess the best i can glean from his motivation is just to always be around Liev Schreiber, which is part of my main motivation too in life. And it's hard for me to do that, obviously. Um, That's really all I can glean from that, yeah. I think in the second act, he has the clear motivation of revenge. Mm -hmm. But as you laid out, it's difficult to know what he wants in the first act. Mm -hmm. And then there's this point where, like, the villains are like, well, we duped you. (laughs) <laughs> but we won and we don't care about you now yeah this is all about something else you're not really involved in it we don't want to kill you yeah but then one of them does want to kill him and then wolverine just walks away which it feels like is all that he could really do in that point yeah, absolutely because they did win <laughs> yeah like this whole, he spends the whole second act in like a revenge rage over his dead wife and then he finds out that his wife is alive and was a plant and lying to him. Yeah. Right. But it, yeah, but he still like cares enough about her that he doesn't want revenge on her for that. So he's just yeah. like, all right, well, screw this. I'm yeah. out. But, and I will say the thing about the first act, which is interesting to me is there are interesting ways to make characters that have no true motivation. And this movie does not do that. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, I'm a boy who can scratch you. Hmm. And that's it. <laughs> None <laughs> of these movies really engage at all with like, how it would feel to live forever. Yes, exactly. I was going to say, it's so interesting, the idea of a character that, like, none of the physical stakes really matter. Yeah. But they don't ever play with that at all. No, they just Greek myths play him... with it more than that, you yeah. know? Like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know, like, if he does enough to be a protagonist. I don't know that there's anybody else who could be a protagonist, but I don't, mm. like, know that, like... What, what what change does he undergo? He uh he's he he kind of feels like uh, Katniss to me a little bit in like mm. the first part where it's just like she's like a protagonist but like barely, you know like I feel mm. like you really have to project a lot onto her. I feel like and in many ways she he's a classic like Samuel Beckett protagonist. Uh. Nothing to do. He's living forever. Yeah. Um. So he just fights in wars. Honestly, that is a pretty good like absurdist thing, but. Again, they never play with any of that, so no. it's kind of disappointing. 
but yeah like the first the first 30 is just kind of like oh yeah i live forever that's cool of course i'm going to join this special ops group that is hunting down whatever adamantium and then he just leaves at one point because his conscience gets in the way. Liev Schreiber says, you can't just walk away. And then they proceed to let him just walk away. And then they walk away. just, he just walks away and nothing happens for like 15 years about it. Right. And then can we, I feel like it's also important to talk about the fact that the villain's plot in this <laughs> Please is. Please explain it to yeah. me. <laughs> From the best I can glean is to, like they. I try, yeah, like I'm, I really formulated it in my head a second ago, but now I'm trying to speak it into existence. I can't do it. But it's like they want to use Wolverine, so then they make him OP, and then they're like, all right, well, we're going to ruin your life now. And then he runs away. And they're like, okay, well, you just made that problem for yourself, dude. Like, yeah, for real. That sounds like a you problem, Weapon X. Like, mm. yeah, they're already on to Weapon 11. That's right. Yeah. Who yeah. is OP Deadpool? OP Deadpool. Yeah, who has every like every mutant ability of every mutant ever in one. Yeah, he can teleport, what, laser eyes, generation, swords. What is their plan for him? Use him to kill other mutants. I don't think it's ever textually stated, but Stryker talks about... Yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna fight this, we're gonna end this war before we have to fight I it. think it's either mutants, or they just want to try to proof of concept to the US military that they can make super soldiers. Uh, okay. Which is kind of in line with wolverine's origin stories in the comics as well i yeah, think right. he was kind He's of involved in the super soldier yeah i think i have the uh, body count for this film oh here. please God. I'd love I, to hear. I think it's 23 only 23 how does are that you counting compare? the opening scene or the I scene can't. with the... i like so there's like two, this is <laughs> this comes with a big this comes with a big caveat there's 23 like on screen after the opening credit sequence, which they're just oh like well dropping people left and right. I'm talking about that place where they're invading the the compound. Yeah, you know, are you counting Wait. that? When they invade the compound, yeah. Or you think there's more? I feel like because I feel like there was like because I counted like five guys you get hit by bullets by Bullet Man. Well, so there's like the the dudes in the window, and there's like three there. Mm-hmm. There's the guys he shoots the dude in the turret. Which yeah. then he shoots three more guys. Yeah. And then there's that part where he's like flipping over and shooting people. And there's like five guys that drop around him. Then there's the guy in the tank. So that's 12. And then uh, and then there's the dudes that uh, Deadpool deflects the bullets back at. Which I'm right. going to say is probably honestly seven. So I'm thinking we're up to like 19 right now, dude. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So at the very least, I feel like I'm probably missing something, dude. It's probably so like then let's boost this estimate to about 35 <laughs> which is still remarkably low remarkably low. yeah i'm surprised but on the list of notable people who die mm-hmm. we have nice old man and nice old woman that's right oh, yeah. Yeah. You just get killed for no reason yeah. yeah um we have agent zero we have dominique monahan mm-hmm. we have will i am that's right we have R-I-P, to a R-I-P. real one ryan reynolds we have deadpool get his head cut off but he technically didn't die. He technically comes back to life, but I'm count like I'd count that because. Are you counting? Um, I don't know. I I think he does die and then he comes back to life. Dies and comes okay. back to life. You, I'm not counting. I had counted, but I have to take off the counts. Um, Star Fox, uh, Silver Fox, because she doesn't actually die. I had, but I had counted her down. But she died in the end, though. Logan's oh, she did die girl. in the end. So I yeah. guess she only died so once. So you, you so put her on, took her off, put, put her, her on again. Put her back on. Did you, are you counting Wolverine? 
Because he died technically he there for a couple seconds. He did die in the middle. Oh, he does die. He yeah. lost the will to live. <laughs> uh, oh, man. It's a lot of people, but not Liv Are you Schreiber counting the guards as... that yeah. Cyclops oh, yeah, that, obliterated that with fragged. his eyes? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got him good. Okay, cool. So, yeah. All right, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I was able to give you such exact numbers of that initial scene that opening, but like I don't know some like that part where he like steered over with the fifty cows like seared in my memory for some reason. It's that early stuff, like the having heard Gavin Hood's intentions for this movie. Uh-huh. It's that early stuff, like the trip through the ages, mm-hmm. the like being put on execution row for raping people in Vietnam. Yeah, and then like going to Lagos. <laughs> And dealing with like Nigerian diamond lords. Yeah, they I were think. Uh, I think blood diamond. Yeah, guys. it's um, like that stuff where I can kind of see the influence of like a South African auteur who uh, wants a yeah. gritty. Oh movie. yeah, that's where it's the clearest. It's like shocking to me. Is reading uh, this? Is the director white? He is. Okay. Yeah. yeah that yeah. any movie, like any studio movie, ever gets made. That we ever get anything that's like a Thor Ragnarok, like something from a big studio that feels like it has personal touches. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. like so much of this movie feels like it was like made by a computer. I yeah. think like visually this movie is really consistent. Like it has the same bug nuts insane aesthetic. You're also forgetting the two fathers in the beginning and oh. the two other passengers in the helicopter with agents here. So that's four more people. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, for our other regularly scheduled program, this film fails the Bechdel test. Yes. Mm-hmm. It does feature, you know, we've made light of it. It does feature two speaking female characters. Actually, not just speaking. I think there are actually, no? Because the, isn't there a female scientist too? There is. There's a female scientist and Emma Frost has like two lines. Oh, and Emma Frost. So there are four speaking female characters, but none of them are ever, oh no. What? Oh no. Does Wait, it... does Silver Fo- Silver Fox talks to Emma Frost, right? They're sisters, but, but there's they a moment t- where they, they talk speak to each other, where they're getting out. <sighs> Let me think. Um, and they're not talking about men; they're talking about like cages or directions or something. Dude, straight up, no, I don't think so. I no, I think she is. She's like, go the other way, dude. But is there it, like? Or, a but are she talking? I, think, about... I honestly think they hug, and then that's it. And then the next time we see them is Emma Frost blocking the bullets and then helping Cyclops aim. Yeah. I honestly don't think they speak. I'm going to say a no to the Bechdel test, even though there may be a technicality there that I missed. We're going to say no on principle. Yeah, no on principle. (laughs) Yeah, this movie has so many more men than women, and the woman seems there mostly to be a Megan Fox lookalike and wear revealing clothing. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a no for me, Chief. It's also (laughs) just like, there are no... Sorry, Bechdel, you failed. You're talking about, like, there are... There are women actors in this movie. There are mm. no women characters in this film. Uh, yeah. But there's barely any characters at all. <laughs> like, there's no one who I would be like, oh, that's com- that's like a compelling person who I know what they want and know the where they're going. The character with the most characterization in this movie is probably the Blob. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. The Blob has a real arc. He's the only one that has, like, he does stuff, and then you see, like, the actual consequences of that. His PTSD led him to overeating. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just, like, Wolverine is just... Yeah. That's the thing, like, this movie is visually consistent, but tonally and tracking, like, what the characters are trying to do, it makes no sense. Uh, so this brings us to, we kind of talked about this, your favorite character, other than Wolverine, are MVP OTW, 
Mm-hmm. Jay? So uh, I'll I'll go ahead and say it's obviously Will I Am. Okay. Um, I don't I'm remember. So pissed you let them go first. <laughs> this is the only character I liked. <laughs> what is the what what is his character's name? I don't even know. Don't I'll know. look it up while you talk about him. I mean, he's just the most charming. Uh huh. He has the best costume. Uh huh. Best acting so of the whole movie by for far. Sure. He's playing um, John Wraith. John Wraith, who is also Wait. whose superhero name is Kestrel in the comics, and honestly, this illustration looks a lot like the movie. Wow, that's yeah. pretty good. That's pretty. They're pretty spot on. Down to like the cool um, sunglasses. And he has my favorite line in the movie, uh-huh. uh huh, which is when Gambit is flipping cards. He just goes, "That's cool." <laughs> it's my favorite line in the movie, followed closely by uh, when Gambit comes back in the at the end of the movie and says, he like blows up the falling concrete and says, "Did you miss me?" And then Logan just goes, "Jesus," <laughs> the most realistically delivered line in the whole movie, because um, that's how we all feel. <laughs> So my MVP is definitely him, followed closely by the cool war montage at the beginning, and leave Schreiber's coat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Wade, your MVP, OTW. Well, Jay took Will I Am, who, in my opinion, is the only person who gives a good performance in this yes. movie. Yes. Okay. My um, second would be Aaron Jeffrey, who plays Thomas Logan. Wolverine's mm. father when he's a child <laughs> who's in this for three minutes um, I'm certain less than that but I think this movie absolutely nails both the young versions and the fathers of Hugh Jackman and Liev Schreiber they mm. look yeah. exactly like yes. what young versions and what the parents would look like yeah. in like truly a wild way so props to the casting director for that yeah yeah truly Emmett That's who's fair. your MVP OTW <laughs> of xrw <laughs> dude oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you've taken the only two acceptable answers i mean let's see it's not so your favorite th- actor liev schreiber as you know liev schreiber as saber tooth um liev schreiber as liev schreiber <laughs> i yeah, liev I, schreiber as liev schreiber's saber tooth <laughs> i'm gonna go if I can't, if I can't go with Will I Am um, as Kestrel, a name we never hear in this movie, I would have to say the person who is like doing the most for this movie, mm-hmm. who I think is really delivering a sleeper like performance yeah. for the ages, mm-hmm. honestly, oh, um, truly underappreciated in his time, Clearly. known better to some by his work on the hit. TV series Lost uh, would be young Dominic oh, Monaghan yes, um, as the guy who can turn on and off light bulbs. Despite their best efforts, I mean, like they tried really to hype up the tragic uh, nature of Wolverine, but mm-hmm. I think Dominic Monaghan's character is the most tragic in this movie. Yeah, I agree. Because he has like the most peaceful power out of all of them. Yeah. And he's just trying to live a peaceful life doing like these silly little yeah. tricks. He's forced into doing war crimes. Now he's trying to recover by being in a carnival. Yeah. I mean, that's that's your life story, dude. <laughs> Do you think he has more screen time here or in The Rise of Skywalker? He's in The Rise of Skywalker? Dark magic? Clones, maybe? How did I forget about that? He <laughs> has a very similar role as like small member of the team. Yeah. I'm going to say. Yeah, wow. This- he was that in Lord of the Rings, too, huh? 
He's a little bit he's of a bigger. Old. No, because oh, he's a small okay. member of the I team. I also want to say Troy Savan looks just like a hobbit at the start of this movie. <laughs> he has the same haircut. Oh, he yeah, does. Dude. He could be like a similar cloak. Like young Frodo. Uh huh. I honestly do have to say, Ryan Reynolds before his mouth was sewn shut was pretty good, I think, personally. Like, I thought he did fine for what was given to him. Uh, he's just. He's like, oh, wow, this is kind of some charismatic, energetic acting. Thank you. He gets uh, one or two good lines. I think that he, I mean, he clearly, like, really loves that character. And exactly, about exactly. This character. It's, like, nice to see some actual passion in this movie. Yeah. You know? I'm um, not sure how he, like, signed off on this version happening. I feel like he was like, I've got five minutes to sell my version of this character. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me give him my all. Maybe is that's, like... I'll do this for you if you give me a movie or something, you know. Yeah. Maybe he just didn't know he's getting into. Sure. Yeah, I'm trying to remember literally any other actors from this that were like good. The, yeah. That old couple was kind of fun. And oh yeah, the old guy in that he's like got a couple he's funny like, lines. Here, cover it up. I don't want to give. I want you to give my wife a heart attack. <laughs> it's like oh man. Yeah. And Wolverine but, comes in with the with the kitchen sink. It's like very briefly a fish out of water comedy. For yes. Like five minutes. And it's, oh god. Back to the old business. It's Edward Scissorhands for approximately thirty seconds. <laughs> that it down to a science. It's exactly what you said about being written by a computer. It's like yeah, it's like an algorithm. Wait a minute. What? Oh, never mind. This. I'm sorry. Mm. What? No, please. I'm sorry. I don't well, think this is true. Was the son's name Logan? Is that why he starts calling himself Logan? The son, the son of the old couple who I takes him in? Don't think so. Okay. No, I don't think so. I don't think they ever say his that'd name. That'd be so weird. But also, how would you know? I didn't if it, think so either. If I it just... was, like, they surely would have framed it some way and I would have remembered it because I, yeah. I, I have no memory of them saying his name at all. No, you're right. You're right. Um, I'm sorry. That would be, a, like, a step too good for this movie. <laughs> they also. This is just reminding me. They like mention it's like when he gets on the bike and the bike goes. Yeah. They're like, "Wow, you're heavy!" And then they never ever mention again that he has probably 500 pounds of metal coating his skeleton. Yeah, they're not like this helicopter is hard to get off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it sounds like feels like we're carrying half a ton of adamantium. That's interesting. Weird. <laughs> wow. Oh man. So, any last thoughts on X Men Origins Wolverine? Oh, and there's a classic line that I really love when they're leaving the boxing ring to uh-huh. go find Gambit. Okay. Uh, William, or uh, what is this? what's the what's he called? Uh, Kestrel. Kestrel, yes. Kestrel is like, I'm coming with you out of nowhere. And then he teleports next to him and Logan goes, there's no redemption where I'm going. And then Kestrel goes, I wasn't looking for any. <laughs> and I, I was just like... Okay. Yeah. Great. Right. Awesome. I was like, all right, cool, man. Kestrel, Kestrel knows where it's at. Oh, and then they're on motorcycles together That's going right. across the bridge. And we're like, why does he have to de- – why does he just teleport oh, there? Oh, God. Yeah, Kestrel's such a real one for riding that motorcycle with him. <laughs> all the way to New Orleans. Man. Yeah. My uh, final thought on this movie is that it is the movie where – the franchise entirely loses what it had been before, mm-hmm. which was kind of like Brian Singer's singular vision, auteur, small scale, personal dynamic superhero team, mm-hmm. which is what sets it apart from everything else. It entirely loses that in this movie and yeah. becomes kind of like generic action. But I think in some ways that may also free it up to mm. become anything in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what it's trying to be here totally fails, 
But mm-hmm. like I think in The Last Stand, we see them try and recreate Brian Singer's thing without Brian Singer, and that also completely fails. Yeah. So maybe we're just naturally going to have like one totally incoherent thing in the middle here transitioning. Mm-hmm. I would stick by my previous statement that this is the only film in the franchise I recommend people watch. I think it is a flop, but I think you need to watch this. It's an essential experience. And understand what it's like. And I also think that it teaches the important lesson that you can't kiss your wife goodbye if you're a big old man. Not in front of the other boys. No, no. And he throws the axe at his co-worker. And then she goes, Jimmy. And he goes, smirking. And then he kisses her and gets on the truck with the men gotta kiss your wife goodbye and then throw an axe the old ball and chain yeah, just baby. to prove you're still a man <laughs> my god uh, my last the closing thought that i would close on with this is is similar to wade's in that i would say you have to watch this movie because yes, yes. it's like required 2009 watching mm-hmm. and the thought that i would leave you on is would you really rather watch the hangover Angels and Demons, Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> Twilight New Moon, 2012, Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, Ice Age 4, <laughs> Harry Potter 6, or Avatar again? No. You want to watch this movie. And yes, I did leave up out of that because I okay. think people do like that movie and I don't want people to come at us for that. Jay, is there uh, anything you want to plug? Anywhere that people can find you while you're here? Um, let's see. Anything I want to plug? Well, I'm on a podcast. We will hopefully be uh, dropping soon. I for- I don't know if we have an official title for it yet. I think it's just called Superheroes Social Club. Is what it's called. It's an improv comedy podcast based around like superhero kind of stuff and i i do a lot of i do some improv on there uh i also have a project dropping soon hopefully i got a director in maryland to pick up a screenplay i did so um i i don't want to give us a little tease little tease uh it's just a little short film it's just about it's just a little classic like quentin tarantino inspired little hitman piece um but i think it's a little it's pretty goofy he he likes it a lot so hopefully we'll be dropping it soon uh and if you would like to (laughs) know more about that in the future you can follow me on instagram at rotlord or twitter at hydro lizard hail hydro lizard <laughs> uh, it's actually pronounced hydrolizard but that's a it's a it's a character on the podcast i did but anyway yeah so that's all i got cool you want to take us home all right I'll do take you guys have an outro yeah episode? all right what's that the, oh yes with the next episode mm. we will be looking at x-men First class, mm. which is that really the next one that came yeah. out after this? Two thousand eleven. It might wow. just save the series. Uh, wow. Yeah. We'll right. That we is will, insane. We will see. I Jesus. my last thought on this is that this is formally the moment when I would like to revoke my age old uh, my age old like mm-hmm. assertion that the X Men series is the superior Marvel cinematic series. <laughs> it is officially debunked. There's nothing they can do to redeem it's it. It's too late. <laughs> I, I, will, I, like, I, I fully want to finish this series, but I am ready to acknowledge that it is definitely the inferior one after seeing this hot pile of garbage. Yeah, I mean, because what's the worst Marvel movie in the MCU? Um, Like Thor, Incredible Hulk, yeah. Iron Man 2, like something like that. But even there, like... Even I mean, Iron Man Two is way more 
just consistent. Yeah. Um, and I this. think X3 is even way less watchable than this. Like, mm, I don't think wow. any of those are. Wow. Yeah. Is that the one where they make the plastic bullets? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. The last stand. Yeah. All right. And this is, has oh, been our last stand. Is that on the one with Juggernaut, podcast? too? Yes. I'm yes. the Juggernaut. God, I'm not going to say the other word. Mm, we but... talked about that last week. That is also how we close the last week's episode. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Well, this has been Cinema Bums. Uh, you can at us at. Don't, you know what? Don't at us. <laughs> at all (laughs) all right then well thank you and uh stay safe out there it is still probably a pandemic cinema bums is a production of dkg podcast it is created and produced by wade lawrence holloman and me emmett temple wade also edits and mixes this podcast our theme music is by zane holloman who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by autumn beckner our social media is managed by laura bennett If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.